Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Houdat Jedi Podcast. This is episode 132, if you're keeping track. And on your uh, scorecard is Aaron, Dave, and Fredo. As always, how you doing, guys? Good, good. Doing all right. I want to. I just want to say that, um, Dave, I'm a. I, I, I am having a little bit of. Uh, oh, I don't know what the word is. Um, no, I'm not. I'm. It's jealousy, I suppose, because you know K State has Adrian Martinez, and they go and beat Oklahoma. Um, so I'm glad that he is succeeding in your school. Um, he's a good player. He's a good kid. Um, so, but uh, yeah, it's just par for the course for being a Husker fan right now. So, I it's uh, culture and offensive line. You get culture and offensive line sorted, and then the whole thing will turn right around. Well, you know, that's what Fredo and I were talking before you jumped on. It's like, and not to get into big football thing, but it's like, you want to talk about where Nebraska started going downhill. Um, Bill Callahan, hiring hiring an NFL coach is not a bad idea, but what he did was he destroyed the walk-on program. And see, Nebraska forever, their skill positions, they went and got from California and Florida and Louisiana and stuff like that. But the offensive line were these, you know, big corn-eating, you know, mamma jammas from the, okay. you know, the cornfields of Nebraska who walked on, you know, and who could, but who could move a Mack truck. That's where our offensive line came from. That's where our defensive line came from. Um, and then Callahan destroyed that and Pelini started building it back up. But it's, it's anyway, sorry guys, I'm not going to get into a big Nebraska brouhaha here, except for we found out now that the, uh, our neighbor across the street is friends with Mickey Joseph. So that's two connections we have now. So Mickey Joseph, if you listen to this podcast, you can come sit on my back porch and escape, you know, all the media frenzy. Um, but wish all the luck for that New Orleans kid. So I think uh, Dennis Allen is the one who needs to escape Holy the media cow. frenzy. <laughs> not good, not good. That was the other thing we we're saying, Dave. It's like three games, twelve quarters, offensively in that for ten of them. Not a good yeah. recipe. All right, so I I do have to share this because this was kind of funny. Is um, Monday on Twitter, Deuce McAllister. Everybody knows who Deuce is. You know. He, he tweets, he tweets, just a little note. It's not the play calling. There are plays to be made and yardage available. Are there some you can say maybe something different here or there? Of course, but the play calls are fine. And so I replied, I probably shouldn't have, but I did. And just I just said, offensively, it seems to be an O-line thing. When defenders are getting through untouched and running backs have to totally change direction or run into a brick wall, that's very telling. And I don't get it because it's 80% of the same line as last year. And a leaky O-line equals quarterback panic. Deuce replies back. And I was like, wow, Deuce replied back to me. This is cool. And it says, at times it's a zero blitz, one more than you have, or zone blitz with a four weak or strong side. Most issues have come with double A and then drop but a stunt or a twist behind it. A lot of crap happening. That's not all O-line. And I'm like, I have no idea what he just said. <laughs> I'm just like, favorite the tweet, get out of the deep end of the pool, and I'll just go sit here in the, you know, in the in the whirlpool and drink my beer, knowing, uh, you know. So I have enough Twitter etiquette to know when it's like, all right, I just got I just got schooled politely. I mean, he wasn't being he was he was correct. I just have no idea what he was talking about. So. I'm going to go order football for dummies so I can understand what some of those things he was said. I was in the band. So anyway, yeah, the oh. Saints. Wow. Yeah, I was just going to say, just right quick, when it says most issues have come with a double A, then drop, that means there's uh, guys trying to fill the A gap and then dropping backwards or put a stunt or twist behind it. So basically there's they're scheming and confusing and messing so, around. With what the quarterback is doing. So, it sounds like it sounds like the Saints need Bo Pelini because there is a story. A friend of mine went to Nebraska practice when Bo Pelini was coach, and he said he was sitting way up in the rafters of Memorial Stadium, and you heard Bo Pelini yell, "This is the A gap. This is the B gap. What the McClunky do you not understand about that?" And mm-hmm. it's like, so maybe they need that. Um, mm-hmm. But hey, 
let's hope that maybe a change of uh, time zone will help. So, um, all right. Well, uh, tonight we're going to be talking about Andor. And I don't, I don't know. I, I, I will, we've talked a little bit. I don't necessarily know if we're going to do a synopsis of episode one, two, and three. I think it'd be good for us just to have a conversation about because this is a dang different Star Wars show. Um, and there's a, I mean, there's a lot of things that's different about it. We can talk about some of the plot nuances that has gone on, but I don't. Anyway, we're we're going to be talking about Andor episodes one through three. Um, uh, but first. Let's do a little bit of trivia. Um, Dave. Oh, I think you've gotten this one before. This is, this is a softball. Who sums up the Ewok language as a very primitive dialect? I'm not even going to look at the back of this card. I don't, I don't think I've gotten this one, but it's C-3PO. It is C-3PO. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Fredo. Mm-hmm. Who disables the power supply on Jabba the Hutt's sail barge? I want to say that's R2-D2. Ooh, that's interesting. Was I wrong? I, I, haven't, I haven't looked at the answer yet. Dave, do you have an answer for this? Because I don't think it's R2. I, I think it's, it's actually Leia. When she smashes that console, she smashes That's something. Right. But then That's I'm right. thinking, yeah. is it is it Luke when he shoots the gun? Shoots the gun at the deck. All right. Well, it could be any number of people. Let's flip it over. It is Princess Leia. It is. It is. It is. All yeah, because right. when she when she smashes the controls, you get the safety shutters coming down, and everything just goes dark. So. Um, hmm. I was in a meeting today and I usually have a virtual background um, and I turned it off today because it said, yeah, I usually have a virtual background on because otherwise you see all this Star Wars stuff. And the guy on the other end goes, is that a sail barge? You got a sail? Is that Lego or is that a mod? Just was totally freaking out over Java's sail barge. Anyway, um, to me, who serves as the Trade Federation Viceroy during the Siege of Naboo? That would be Newt Gunray. Yeah, all right. We didn't give the audience any that time. That was wonder where that name came from. Right. <laughs> yeah, well. All right. Well, there's some interesting news uh, so, in yeah. the last uh, week or so. Um, can't say I'm too surprised by this first one. I mean, sadly. Yep. Yep. I mean, it just seems like, okay, that's the way it goes. But go ahead. Yeah, it's the official confirmation that Rogue Squadron, which had been scheduled for December of next year, is off of Disney's uh, release schedule. Uh, long and short of it is, I mean, that that you know, the Variety article says it's more or less pro forma, as in, you know, everybody expected it, it just hadn't been made official, just given because of the fact that Patty Jenkins had walked away for a hot period of time from the movie because she was busy making... Uh, Wonder Woman 3, as well as Cleopatra, if I'm not mistaken. And then when she was able to come back into it, so they're just back at the, back at the start. So I'm they waiting replaced for, it with... Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for somebody at Lucasfilm to write a book, some former employee to write a book about this whole era of movies being you know, dropped from schedules and stuff like that. There's an inside story here somewhere. This is weird. Well, but I will say, I'd much rather that they do this and retain their commitment to Patty Jenkins and the vision they have for this movie than, okay, then we'll do what they did with episode nine, where, okay, we got to have the <laughs> episode nine out in 2019. Colin Trevor, you're off. JJ, jump back in there, you know, and try to figure it out on the fly. Like the article I, I sent you that says JJ pulled the emperor out of his butt. <laughs> that was, that was a line. That was basically. a great line. I bet that guy or whoever wrote it just laughed when they went by their editor, but that's the way it seemed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, you're right. So I believe that makes, I mean, they're still not sure which is the next uh, Star Wars movie is going to come out. The article does mention the one Taika Waititi's making as well as hint back to the Ryan Johnson trilogy, which maybe one day will happen, and the Kevin Feige one. But right now, no idea when the next Star Wars movie's coming. How many different directors did, like, do Marvel movies have? 
depends on the property. Uh, well, usually, I mean, they have one. But what I mean to say is they have one director per movie. But then, like I said, Ryan Coogler right now is directing Black Panther. He's directing Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh, I want to say Peyton Reed's doing all three Ant-Man movies. So maybe maybe I'm mistaken there. Usually they like to keep, like James Gunn's done all the Guardians movies. But I also think that kind of follows with you made this movie the thing, so we're going to keep you there. Yeah. Uh, they usually, it's rare, like, but it does happen. Like they've had uh, Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. Now also switching directors. Iron Man 3 was the switching director. So it does happen. It's just, I guess, usually it's, it's rare. Of course, you know, his, historically for Star Wars, it's been, well, I guess, no, I, no that's, that's a bunch of crap. So I'm not even going to say it because there were three different directors in the original trilogy. There was one director for the prequel cool. trilogy and then, you know, three different, well, two different directors. So it should have theoretically worked, but I don't know. I want somebody at Lucasfilm to write their book, though. I'll read that book. So Moving on right quick to more sad news. Well, it's sad in a way. It's the end of an era. It was announced earlier in the week that, uh, actually yesterday, uh, James Earl Jones is officially stepping down from Darth Vader. Apology accepted, Captain Nida. He's not going to be recording any more lines or not going to do any new Star Wars projects. So, well, what uh, from what seeing, what what yeah. happened is that somebody walked in and said, "Hey, James, we figured out how to do your voice without your voice. So here's a nice fat check, and um, you know, thank you." And I'm sure he said, "All right." It's like with the Ed Ogeron story. It's like, when do you want me to leave, and what door should I go out? You know, <laughs> it's. Um, they, I'm sure he yeah. is getting paid handsomely for all of that. So, yeah, I mean, let's be fair. I mean, James Earl Jones is 91. So, yeah. asking him, even if it's just come in for a few weeks of a uh, voice recording for you know, I'm sure that that's not easy. Uh, so, the article states that uh, a Ukrainian company called Respeecher has created a version of his voice as it sounded in the original trilogy and they expect that that technology is what's going to go forward for future um of star wars projects so it's technology kind of taking over you know for for kind of stuff that we took for granted so before you know google maps navigation was free and everything and cell phones were ubiquitous you know, ubiquitous um you had uh you know the TomTom systems the, and the Garmin systems. TomTom, I, I wanted to go buy a TomTom because it sounds like Tauntaun, but um, I wanted to buy a TomTom because they had a Star Wars package. And one of the voices you could have was Darth Vader. And instead of recalculating, he would say, I find your lack of faith disturbing. And it's like, I, I would change directions all the time just to hear Darth Vader like talking to me through my car. But it makes you wonder though, is is it another another revenue stream for Star Wars? If it's like, do they do they use, you know, the Darth Vader voice for other things? I don't know. But uh, no, you're right. He's 91. He probably don't want to do a whole lot of stuff, you know. And yeah, no, exactly right. Like, cut him a nice check. So he doesn't sue anybody. And I, and I <laughs> and, and I, just... I love him, but it did not sound right in Rogue One. It sounded off. You know, we did the mental gymnastics to make it work and it was fine. It was cool that it was James Earl Jones, but it but when Kenobi came out and they did this Ukrainian thing, it was like, Oh, that is awesome. So Yeah, yeah. it was right on target and, and it was just really, really excellent sounding and it's like, Yep, we've got it. We 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 can do it now. Now we need to make sure that we can legally <laughs> and morally do it. Um, and have him sign off, and, and and he did. It sounds like, and so now we can have uh, Darth Vader appear uh, in many more projects to come. So, just as a question, does that leave Mark Hamill as the last standing original trilogy? The last cast Jedi? Oh. <laughs> no, I'm no, because Anthony Daniels is. 
Well, no, well, no. What I mean to say, because I thought Anthony had retired also from Star Wars. Oh, if he gets a chance to but do C three PO's voice for anything, he'll do that for you know a ham sandwich and a beer. Um, so, uh, Ian McDermott is still yeah. doing the occasional project. Um, this is true. This is true. Yeah, he was Pretty in Kenobi. So, yeah. He was in Kenobi. Yeah. Very much so. As we saw in the behind-the-scenes special. So, yeah, it's interesting because now it's only probably in one hand you can count them. But, you know, that's so, funny. Okay, so uh, side, side little thing. Mm-hmm. Do you consider the Emperor, when you talk about original trilogy characters, you know, it's like he was in Return of the Jedi. Well, I guess kind of now in Empire Strikes Back, kind of. Um, but uh, I don't know. That's just kind of weird. I got to thinking about that. It's like, I think of, you know, th- that meme that you see of all every every time one of the original, you know, fab whatever five of Han, Luke, Leia, uh, Chewbacca, and Lando. Well, Aunt Noah, uh, Kenny Baker, R two D two, and C three PO, and then every time somebody dies, they turn them into a fo- Force ghost. I think you're left with um, just Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill and Anthony Daniels of that group so anyway not many left mm. yeah no uh well looking for last bit of news and it actually touches on the main topic of today so they were interviewing tony gilroy about andor and uh he was talking about how it's the most he's ever you know most longest time he spent on any kind of project so then they started discussing what he's going to do next and he said you know as, you know, because they asked him, "Hey, would you like to do more Star Wars after Andor?" And he said, "Look, I, I suspect that by by the time I'm done with this, I'll have had my hands on 26 hours of Star Wars content. So that's the, you know, it's gonna be like a lot." And uh, he did admit that they still have to produce and release season two. So here's where the news comes in: we start shooting in November of this year for Andor season two. And I don't know. Our pattern was two years. So we'll shoot from November to August and then a year of post-production. That probably means, and this is what the article at the wrap states, probably means at the earliest we can expect Endor Season 2 in fall of 2024. So we expect, which kind of makes sense. I mean, we still have not seen, you know, Mandalorian Season 2, Season 3, I'm sorry, is coming in spring of next year. Ahsoka is coming. Right, and then... Uh, the acolytes in production so they're gonna have other star wars tv shows to kind of put in there you know so there's not like people are gonna go all of a sudden go but it's interesting saying it takes them what six to nine months to make of the film and then another year to post-production and score and everything to get it together we've we've kind of talked about it before on the show and maybe it should be a lengthier conversation for a later episode but getting back to that first thing of you know rogue squadron being removed it's like does oh i'm gonna say the controversial thing and dave just put down his headphones and left so do you mean does star wars does star wars need to be need to have a theatrical release anymore i'll say it again because oh nope there his headphones are off again so (laughs) he felt the disturbance in the force he knew i was gonna say some wild cockamamie thing all right i'm gonna say the wild cockamamie thing but i said you know are is 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 does star wars need need a big whiz bang theatrical release because i mean and, and we'll talk about this in andor when we get into it but the quality of the disney plus stuff is going up and up um so if people are buying that, why sell them another thing? Part of me is going to say yes, just from the standpoint of there is something to the uh, specialness of a theatrical release. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm loving and or I'm loving all the Disney Plus series, but there is something to the idea of going to the movie theater, sharing the experience of it, whether it's uh, episodic storytelling or just a single movie 
of just getting it all together at the same time that yeah, is I, different from the tv show I, I, we'll take we'll take dave's thoughts because he's about ready to say something but then i'm going to say well after he says that we'll put a pin in it because i think this is a longer conversation because i'll have something to say say after it go ahead dave well um aaron you shared an article with us in the group chat this week um, which was Disney's mismanagement of Star Wars brutally explained by Industry Insider, um, which I thought was just a ginormous, like reckless sort of headline that had right. nothing to do with reality. No, um, it it had me go back and and think about things and like what have we got under Disney, right? Because, like, I think that's the crux of the argument that that maybe Star Wars isn't getting it right um, under Kathleen Kennedy and under Disney and where are we headed and, oh, gosh, the future of Star Wars and we're getting all this mediocre content. And, and so, like, I had to, like, just, okay, let me sit down and let me think back to the stuff that we have gotten. And I've mostly enjoyed it. Um rise of skywalker wasn't my favorite star wars movie it's probably my least favorite star wars movie but um somebody's got it somebody's got to be number nine yeah 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 number nine in the saga and then i like uh i like seven and eight i like solo i like rogue one i like most of the television content that we've gotten um i i again I'm a Star Wars fan. I like Star Wars. I'm predisposed to liking this stuff because I don't feel um, overly married to a really narrow concept of what Star Wars should be. Oh, you're leading uh, so I'm, conversation. All right. So I'm open to more interpretations well, here's and the, different perspectives. And here's the thing is that, again, ju- just exactly what you just said is that while Star Wars may, well, Star Wars Lucasfilm may have maybe lost their stride in theatrical releases, could be it could be argued that I mean they've it's been their their pace has slowed down, you know they're not running as fast as they used to and um, but they found a new stride in this television content, um, and I think we'll we'll jump straight into and, and again maybe that's like i said i think maybe it's a longer conversation of it's like you know what i i said a long time ago it's like the the smartest car ceo automotive ceo would be the one who would step up and say you know what from now on we're not going to develop any new automobiles that are that run solely on gasoline it's like when you look for further down the road and it's like electrical and hybrid is the way to go and you're going long term so it's i think lucasfilm is looking and saying hey people are digging this this you know disney plus stuff and we're it's not schlock we're putting out good stuff and you know it's actually hitting it's it's hitting more buttons with people than so maybe this is where we invest our time like I said, we'll just put a pin in that, maybe come back to it. So that leads us to Andor, what you're talking about. Um, and before, we've got some things to talk about here. I've got some bullet points I want to hit on. Um, cause there, but I just want to just get, ju- just give me your high level thing. Don't get too specific into things, but just, are you, you know, are you digging it? Um, so, you know, or are you not digging it? Just your initial thoughts after watching episodes one, two, and three. Um, I will start because I tend to say controversial things. Um, and first of all, I'm digging it, but I'm not going to be like the people that I see online that is says that are like saying that Andor is the greatest Star Wars ever made. I think it's too soon to say that. I think it's too soon to say that. I don't think, you know, after episodes one, two, and three. Um, I, I, we don't have, we don't really know where the story is going yet. Um, I can understand why they dropped those three episodes all at once. Cause if they would have just dropped episode one, we all would have been sitting there scratching our heads for a week. Um, but there is a whole lot of places where this could go. Um, 
but uh, I'm digging the story. I'm liking how it's different from other Star Wars stuff. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's the greatest thing ever. The jury's still out for me on that one. Dave, digging it? Over the moon? Under the moon? You know, it's interesting. I think, like, you're, you, the two groups of people that either like it or dislike it mostly fall into a singular camp. Um, if you like it, um, you love the vastness of it and the rogue oneness of it, uh, the gritty, dark, more grown up textures of it, right? Uh, the people who don't like it so far, uh, like by and large, they think it's too slow. Um, it, like to your point, it you know, the very first episode, not a lot happens, and it takes you to the pretty much to the ep- end of episode three for things to really get going. Um, I fall in the first group. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it for those reasons. Um, the, the, the pacing of it doesn't really bother me. Um, because again, and this is the thing that I always come back to is it's distinct. Um, it's different from a typical pacing that you would see with a Star Wars property. Usually these things move pretty quick. Like, well, but we have far uh, more episodes for the for Andor than mm-hmm. we did any of the others. But yeah, keep going. It's different. Yeah. Um, it's different than what we typically get. So I like different. Um, that keeps me coming back because like I'm not bored with it. So um, I I look at both of those things as actually being positives in its cool. favor. So I, I'm digging it. Well, you guys are going to be my focus group uh, later. You don't know these questions are coming. Maybe you do. I don't know. Um, but I'll, I'll spring some stuff on you. But Fredo, what, what's your... Uh... On a thousand foot view, uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it a great deal. I find that it's... And that's one of the things that um, I was thinking I was watching, particularly the third episode towards the end, is we know where Andor's story is headed because we've seen this, this story's ending. It's called Rogue One. But it's different than having a destiny. And I think that's one of the things that I'm really enjoying and finding interesting about this show. Most often, whether it was the original trilogy or even the or the prequels or even the sequels, there was such a big push towards having the main protagonist, Luke, Anakin, Rey, have a destiny. You are chosen by fate. You are the great hero who must rise up or unfortunately will fall so that's different from what's happening to cassian cassian is not the hero of the story he's not the main protagonist on the grand opera that is star wars so that kind of invests him in a different kind of light and a different kind of way because his story while he's not getting the call he's getting the call from uh stan scarsgard's character who's lucian uh but it's a different call than Luke is getting. He's not getting a call to go be a noble hero. He's getting a call to come serve, suffer, and fight, and hopefully make a difference. And it's, uh, you know, that's kind of what I'm enjoying because it's the one thing, I, you know, it's one of those things I've always wanted to get out of Star Wars that we hadn't gotten. You know, a different story that didn't just focus on the grand operatic myths, but that actually looked at, uh, you know, kind of the nitty-gritty elements of Star Wars. Outside of maybe of the original trilogy, we've kind of gotten away from that. I mean, episode seven started there, but J.J. Abrams had to rush in with mystery box and hidden bloodlines and grand destinies for everybody involved. So I'm liking that we're not going to get that here. And it's interesting. you bring, I hadn't thought about this. You bring up a good point that you're right. It's not you know, I'm, I'm going to become a Jedi like my father. It's not, it's not the hero's journey. It's mm-hmm. also, I don't think it's a redemption arc either. If I had to lay a guess, it's more of Cassian finding a purpose, you know, and that that's different, you know, because I mean, he's even, he's still killing people in cold blood in, you know, the beginning of rogue one. So it's not like, I mean, his, his redemption arc does, you know, that, you know, or <laughs> it's, it's a sharp J curve, you know, because it's, he's still doing some shit and he's going to kill, you know, um, 
Jin's uh, dad until he has, you know, a turn of, you know, decides not to pull the trigger. So, you know, so I don't think it's a redemption arc either. I think it's, I think it's finding a purpose. Um, so I, I have this question here because this is what I was thinking through that entire first episode because we don't have any Jedi. We don't have, I mean, yes, we have Cassian, but that's the only character that we have that is um, from a previous movie or show or anything like that. Um, there's one droid, really. Um, and there's actually not a lot of alien species, at least not totally up in your face. So my question is, do you, you know, because I think it looks and feels like Star Wars, but I want to know what makes it look, what makes it, and there's no pew pew except for, you know, a couple places. So how do we know that it's Star Wars? If you were just to turn this on, you know, click TVs on boom that's not it's star wars how do we know what are the, what are the things because i think it looks a lot like star wars i think it feels a lot like star wars um i well i mean the easiest answer is some of the visuals right um some of the designs of the vehicles and the costuming and things of that nature which is like okay so this is very obviously star wars based on that guy's outfit and can or, i pause you right there because i think yeah. that's a really good point because i think if you take the jedi out of the prequels the prequels do not look like star wars all that much it looks more like flash gordon or star trek and i think it's because of what you just said it's like the the original trilogy everything was kind of gritty and i understand why things were cleaner in the prequel trilogy and stuff like that i get that aesthetic choice but i think you're right like the costumes look like original trilogy even sequel trilogy nailed that a little bit and like you said the grittiness of it and stuff like that so i thought that was a really good point well you have the industrial side of things and the um war machine um and so like those two are are like the two giant uh fists that are colliding with one another and the rebellion is trying to sort of establish itself within that dynamic. But those are like the two, you know, giant boots in the universe that are stepping on everybody. So, um, and you only get a couple empire name drops in the first three episodes. It's, right. it's just kind of in passing. It's not up in your face. We're actually hit with some other sort of police force. So again, I, th I find I, I it mean, interesting like, that there's all these new things, but it still feels like Star Wars. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm totally not going to answer your question. That's fine. Because we're, because we're on this topic, but like the, um, just the idea of the, this question that Fredo brought up mm -hmm. of like, why would Andor compelled to join the rebellion within the context of his life and, and what he sees about that organization what he's able to observe and decide for himself what appeals to him about that and you see characters throughout this series so far making those sorts of choices for themselves we haven't really gotten a lot of that in star wars previously um like the one thing that sprung into my head was Finn. Oh, I don't know which side to choose, you know? And then like, I guess I'll have to choose to the side where my friends are. And it's like, I guess that's why he, he chose them. I, I don't really know though. Here you see the character decisions that ultimately um, are well-reasoned um, and, 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 and come from their experiences. Like, of course Andor is going to freaking hate the Empire when they, like, blew up his planet or whatever, right? Um, and so, like, yeah, no, those guys suck. I'm going to do whatever I can uh, to not help them. And now you're beginning to see the steps of why the Rebellion um, might appeal to him. Um, on the opposite side of it, you see these bureaucrats who, like, have their own feelings on, I need to not be noticed by the empire and piss the empire off because that way i have more autonomy in my own life 
versus I'm a f- full believer in this whole mythos surrounding order in the galaxy. And I, and, and so I'm, I'm going to do what I believe is right because the, long live the emperor. There's an interesting, and, I can finish your point. Then there's an interesting thing I want to, they wanna... all come at it from a place that makes sense for them. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, that's, that's the one thing that, that I kept hearing about Obi-Wan from, from, people that oh, i don't like obi-wan was like well, why well what they did in this scene didn't make sense or this person doing this thing didn't make sense to me and i'm like well right here this show right now that is not a problem in any way shape or form because everything that i've seen so far is like yep yep so that totally makes sense however there's one little mystery that's already been thrown in that um you had to be looking kind of close for um because when you said that, of course, he's going to be against the Empire because of what they did to his planet. Um, those That ship that came down and the guy who eventually, you know, killed his girlfriend or, who you know, the girl he was hot for or whatever as a kid on his home planet, they were all wearing separatist uniforms. And so mm-hmm. is this going to be... Do the, do the people see the empire as a product of the separatists or a product of the old Republic. And so there there's, it's, I find it interesting. I agree with you that, you know, that's where his motivations start. But like I said, wearing, it'll, it'll just be interesting because, you know, so anyway, it will just be, can't speculate yeah. too much because there's, yeah. like I said, there's a lot of stuff coming. Um, you could you could you could see where a individual character like just random person you pluck out of a crowd could have either opinion right right uh, the m you know the separatists were to blame for all of this the republic is to blame for all of this um but from my point of the view here, the jedi the, are evil <laughs> in the here and now <laughs> the empire is the problem and i think most people understand that um, except again for the true believers and the corporate types who are like, I can still make money under this yeah. system and I can still do well for myself. And even the boyfriend, like you see where he's coming from. It's not just jealousy. It's like my girlfriend's hanging out with this guy and he's dangerous. Yeah. And like, suddenly there are these bad characters like hovering over us. And I'm like, so I, I need to get involved. So Fredo, what what makes this what makes this to you look and feel like Star Wars? And put a pin in the, what you were just about ready to say, but just to finish to put mm-hmm. a bow on this conversation, what makes it right? I think, in, in, on one hand, the elements regarding the lived-in universe, the technology. I love the fact that the droid. I mean, we got to see in the flashbacks the droid looks shiny and new. I believe the name is Betweemo. And and by Uh, the way, my my wife said this: Star Wars like has a blue ribbon on making droids very empathetic characters. mm -hmm. Big eyes. It's the eyes. It's the same (laughs) thing I do in anime. Big eyes. Uh, That's that's so you make the characters adorable. Disney kind of cracked that, Uh, but no. But it's it's that ability to look at uh, on a setting, you know, because a lot because whether it's the corporate world that we start off on. Or whether it's the um, the world where Cassian's located, Ferex, I believe is the name of it, uh, or even the the planet where he and his young tribe are in. By the way, did you notice that it was all young people there? So was, that we'll put a pin on that. It, and was, come back. it was Lord of the Flies, was is what it was. <laughs> I was looking right, for the exactly, conch shell. Exactly. <laughs> Makes me wonder how they ended up there. Uh, again, for the mystery, but just the idea of all these characters living in a living universe. In which, uh, yeah, it's interesting because we never we met we hear mentions of the empire, but the guys coming down to find Cassian are not stormtroopers; they're security forces for this uh, corporation that's basically bought out these planets from under the empire, and they seem to be doing much the same that uh, the characters start Jedi Fallen Order were, which basically just they're the French they're the French quarter stuff. police. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, it, it's, again, it's something that you bring, uh, bring up, um, that I think is very cool about star Wars is that it's star Wars is always very relatable 
Because think about mm-hmm. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Think about that that series. What we see him doing first is working as a meat cutter. You know, and in Andor, you see people working on, you know, this, you know, work in a shop or working in, you know, a factory or something, you know, working in a shipyard type of a deal. And those are things that people are like, yeah, I can, even though there are weird, weird aliens around there, you know, that makes sense to me. Sometimes like Star Trek doesn't relate, you know, I was going to say there's, there's a very blue collar ethos to Star Wars that comes from the, you know, whether it's, um, uh, Pelimo in uh, in on Tatooine, or whether it's any of these characters in Andor, or any other characters we met in any other, you know, the fact that there's mechanics that they're covered in dirt, that there's parts messed up ever, the the idea that this is normal people going about their lives, and I think that's one of the elements that when people said did Star Trek, you know, the prequels did not feel as close to Star Wars. That's one of the elements that was missing because we're talking about all the upper class, so to speak, senators governors chancellors jedi there was not the the low classes living underneath the streets of coruscant and now we got elsewhere and we got room to move here because we're going to get mon mothma eventually we're going to get some politics in this all right so i said i was going to use you as my uh, own little focus group so dave this goes to you because you are one of the best parents i know because you get your kids indoctrinated into star wars like from the get-go so how do you feel about this Star Wars having probably some of the most mature content that we've ever seen? First of all, we heard, you know, the, the Scottish guy use the S word that I can't say on our podcast. They're all get, you know, McClunkied. Um, I thought for a hot second we were going to see boobies in a Star Wars show or somebody was going to get down. I was like, uh, Britt and I were laughing because I was like, I suck. This ain't my Star Wars, you know. I mean, when at that, so there is, they've laid the gauntlet down of you know we're not going to be you know the same old same old. So um, how do you, how do you feel? Because like I said, your kids are all under the age of eleven, right? Ten. Uh, I felt bad that I had to think, but your eyes just rolled up into your head. So, (laughs) like now I gotta do. Now you gonna make me do the math. For the sake of argument, we'll say about eleven-ish or whatever. You know, eleven. Okay. So how do you how do you feel about some of those things? Because that was the thing with Star Wars is that it was, you know, the worst that you got was I'll see you in hell, and now you got you know, like I said. Anyway, um, uh. I'm not especially bothered. Um, they're going to gravitate towards what they like, right? Um, and Rogue One was, for most people, considered like the most grown-up of the Star Wars movies. Um, and I think like my kids did not gravitate towards it for those reasons. Um, did you all think was... we were going to have a sex scene in Star Wars? Did you think that was coming? You know what I will say about this is like this show... Uh, is not afraid to go into a lot of the territory that the books go. Um, and the books will, they'll, they'll talk about relationships. They'll talk about using the fresher. They'll talk about drinking <laughs> coffee, you know. Um, they'll, they'll go down these roads that are like very evocative of our world and our lives. And again, it's all meant to create a familiarity and to compare and contrast to what we experience so that we can maybe potentially take lessons from these things. But let's like, it's fine. I mean, what I saw was So as a dad, so as a dad, when like, so like I said, when this started, you know, the scene where she started taking off her, her jacket and they were getting all kissy, you didn't go, um, Nate, why don't you go take out the trash? Or, you know, you didn't, you didn't have those dad feeling you're cool. Okay. Um, they, well, again, they've seen worse, first of all. And second of all, um, my, uh, two of them had already left the room. Dave uh, showed his just, kids porkies when they were 10. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> um, but two of the, the two younger kids had already lost interest. Um, so I, I, I always tend to think that these things sort of take care of themselves. That's an interesting. That's an interesting. Uh, okay, so let's take that half of it then. You just said two of them already lost interest. 
kids were really into the other Disney Plus shows. Um, mm-hmm. This one has kind of takes a little bit more to keep them engaged. Yeah, no, it's it's slow and it's talky and it's a, it, it, you know they there's not a lot of action and there's not a lot of humor. Um, it's it's a slow build. It's a slow burn. So I, I will not say conducive. I will say that I have no problem with um, the idea of people in Star Wars getting down, but when the when the Scottish guy, like I said, used the S word, that we've talked about it before what takes you out of things because it's never been it's you know it's it's never been uttered in a star wars before that it made me go it it like woke me up for a second i was like and then i had to think about it wow what that was an interesting choice and you know um not being critical of it but it's like it's but these both of these things are something that it um it's an interesting choice by the creators because we always talk about star Wars being for kids. Star Wars is for kids. Star Wars is for kids. And now it's like, you know what? And it's almost sounds like Gilroy in the, you know, the interview that I've heard from before. He's like, you know, basically I'm going to make a story that I want to make and to heck with, you know, you know, other things, but Fredo, uh, how have you felt about the more mature content? being mostly mature uh, and none of us I've are pearl clutchers here by the way i mean so it's i, I uh, found it more funny than anything yeah no no it's totally fine uh, i think again going back to the idea that this isn't like the prequels or the sequels or the original trilogy i can i can i can justify it by going this isn't the grand myth the superhero story or the hero's journey where yeah everybody walks on water you know almost the um that moment in Force Awakens when Han is verifying that everything that uh, Ray and Finn have heard is true. Well, you know, whenever you think about the heroes, you know, King Arthur never said the S word, or you know, you try to think of a Sid or any kind of historical or mythological figure, you don't think of them as cursing or doing anything kind of pedantic or kind of silly or kind of nasty or kind of stuff like that, you know. The everyday kind of things that go into the fresher or having a post uh, sexy fun time uh, glass of hot chocolate as Luke and Mary J did in the Legends, as I'm sure Michelle's just going, yeah, I remember that. So she and I remember that. Um, it's fine in this aspect because, again, these are characters who are not living the grand myth. These are the common everyday denizens of a galaxy far, far away. So they would, you know, get into this roving and getting into bed, or they would cuss somebody out because something something startled them. It's fine, and I think that also makes it a different kind of Star Wars story. Which again, it's what we've been asking. People, people on the one hand say, "Well, I'll get tired of getting the same old, same old," but then they get something else comes along, goes, oh, "This is so different." And it's like, and they get scared by it. And I'm like, no, embrace the fact that this is different. Not. Not every story within Star Wars or within any property has to fit the same mold. And because otherwise, yeah, Gilroy will be They don't have to, but this is the first one that don't. Um, So, um, all right. So, again, to my focus group, um, because we've talked about on this podcast a lot about um, representation matters. So, Fredo, to you, um, I know it was, I remember the interview with um, uh, Diego Luna. Um, and with Rogue One, when he said it was his grandfather, was mm-hmm. like almost in tears because he's seeing himself in Star Wars. And so I'm tossing this to you because um, you know of what do, what does that mean to to see you know a Latino character carrying the entire show. He is the focus. That's his name. And he is, you know. Um... Not just that, but for example, the the language that they're speaking, the kids are speaking, Canary, that's actually, and I found out through a, an interview they did, apparently that's a mix of Spanish, Portuguese, and a Hungarian dialect. Which, by the way, all on a ro- tangent, on a tangent. languages, but yeah. 
I think that, that I, I said that to Britt. I said I find it really interesting how they explained why Cassian has a different accent than anybody else ever in Star mm-hmm. Wars. And also one of the things that Britt said was, and I totally agree with her, she loved how all, they allowed all the characters to just use their accent. You had Irish, you had Scottish, you had English, you had Spanish, you had American, you know. Uh, but anyway, I toss it back to you. Yeah, no, and I think that's a big deal just in terms of, because, yeah, I mean, historically Star Wars has been mostly American and English accents. So the idea of getting somebody not just different voice but different you know different perspective i think it's important i think it's always a big deal and uh but i love the fact that they didn't just simply go and say okay we got a mexican actor therefore we're gonna give him a try that's nothing but uh mexican because they had kids who are maori maori uh kids who are different ethnicities you know in this in the young tribe of, the lord, you of, know, the flies. lord of the flies yeah. But, <laughs> yeah him and his sister which Again, it's it's an interesting choice that they're making. It's an interesting choice that they did not give us subtitles, yet you were able to follow what they were doing. You understood what they were, what was going on, but you know, if I ask you to repeat a line that they said at that point, none of us could because again, no subtitles. So they're making it. They're making clear, conscientious choices about Cassian, based on what Diego Luna wants to do. But I also think it's to inform us about the fact that really Cassian may not have a place in the galaxy there's a reason when you know when he says he's looking for his sister at that nightclub and then says that that wasn't a nightclub i'm getting back to dave's question you know on the mature content they were at the bunny ranch let's not call it a nightclub that was a brothel folks in star wars oh red light district when they were walking down the street i'm like that's amsterdam right there yep okay so nice way to try to clean it up fredo (laughs) but back to you and your answer go ahead (laughs) but yeah but no but absolutely and it's i find that they're making these choices not just because they cast a mexican actor as the star but it's because they he wants to you know that representation not just a you know, okay, we put a guy in, in your movie or your TV show. He's actually looking to have it influence the story that he's going to tell. Because the story, I'm, what I'm guessing is, this is going to be a story of an outcast trying to find his way. And what's interesting is that his, because of his size, he's not the warrior type. So he's having to be more the smart mouth, the slick guy, the guy who's quicker on his feet than everybody else. Which is interesting because... That's not normal. The kind of heroes that Star Wars gives us. Heroes Star Wars gives us are very much. I mean, you do get slick, fast-talking guys like Lando and Han, but then we see them turn around and be able to get into a fight. You know, and that—that's the thing I kind of uh, I've been thinking about uh, Andor is that it because that was one of the other questions that how how is this different from other Disney Plus shows? And we don't have to get to that question if you don't want to. We can. I want to get you know, Dave's thoughts. He's got more thoughts on Andor. But one of the things I want to say is that I'm struck. It seems like, wow, Star Wars is growing up. It feels like Star Wars is growing up. It's not the idealistic pie in the sky, you know, kid story. And I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to make it sound like that's a bad thing. Um, but you know, it, it does seem like they're trying to, you know, like I said, they've, they've grown up a little bit in this instance. And when we go back to the Mandalorian, we'll be back into, you know, the YA stuff, you know, when we go back to, you know, it'll, it, and that's fine. I think Star Wars needs to do that because I think it has been stuck in YA for far too long. And if they can be successful in this, you know, it's, uh, I think that's only a good thing. I liked one of the things that Fredo said uh, a couple of minutes ago too about um, the languages and the this this idea that you're not always going to be privy to the conversation um, and 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 to understand what every single character's motivation is and you have to infer you have to watch and pay attention and begin to learn and I think like again that's a very grown up way to approach things it's like yeah, you have to use your brain here, folks. You actually have to pay attention to what's going on. Um, the other thing, though, that is it, it circles back to your back to your first question, Aaron, which was like, well, what makes it Star Wars Z? Um, and for me, that's 
that's part of it is like just something a, a creative choice as simple as saying you're not going to be able to understand what some people are saying and some people aren't even going to use dialogue and you're going to have to infer what they mean that's like basically taking on this i'm in an alien environment it's that simple you know and it's brilliant storytelling storytelling device um well, the right it, call and it puts it puts the watcher it's like okay so i'm frustrated because i don't know what the lord of the flies kids are talking about now that's what cassian is feeling when his mother in quotes you know the the you know aunt petunia from harry potter and her cohort show up he has no idea what they're saying to her what to to him either so it's it's yeah. forcing you to be empathetic you know it's like yeah. you're right it was like it was a very good choice yeah i know again for that scene especially but yeah even in a larger sense it, it makes you feel like you're in a vast universe full of different species and peoples and cultures and um that's half the battle i you when you're watching um some of the volume you know critiques or that it feels sort of enclosed or that we're in a tight area we're not we're not really getting the feeling of this huge big vast galaxy that we're supposed to be feeling um these sorts of creative decisions like help immeasurably with that stuff um and again like framing how things are shot we're, we're down low to the ground we're shooting upwards and we're seeing a large open space like a simple thing a simple creative choice like that makes a huge difference and so like there there's there's certain things that they're doing um from a filmmaking perspective that uh, i have a lot of admiration for all right, so uh, to, to, to finish things out, um, so kind of a potpourri, just, just whatever you want to talk about um, that you've been, that has struck you about this. And, um, and I just totally lost what I was going to say about mine. Uh, oh, no, I remember. Um, it seems like by the end of episode three that some of these characters that we started getting invested in, you know, are we going to see them again you know um and it's uh so it will be it will be interesting to see and that was and that again that was one of the things that brit said she was like i i, I want to know more about and i i can't even give you names right now because that i will say that's the kind of the frustrating thing is like i felt like i was thrown into you know <laughs> a new job and it's like i'm supposed to know everybody's name right off the bat um but um but you did start to like, hey, I like that person. And oh, now they're dead. Or I like that person. Oh, we're, we're leaving planet now. You know, um, so like I said, it was, I'm just wondering if that's going to come back. Um, you know, the other thing that has struck me is that this is the absolute opposite from the Mandalorian, where in the Mandalorian, we were hit over the head with Easter egg over after Easter egg after Easter egg. Here we haven't had one the most obscure one was the separatist patch i think um so i find that really interesting and a, a kind of a, i would guess that that was probably a purposeful choice no like i said potpourri go ahead whatever you guys want to talk about i i agree with you um i feel i think when we were talking about previewing this like how many cameos are we gonna get and I think the consensus amongst the three of us was like, well, I don't know that you need, <laughs> I don't know that you really need that here. Um, the point of this show is not those things. Uh, so like, I agree with you. Like um, I think it was, it was probably a smart decision not to do that. If they do some of it eventually, you know, okay, fine. You know, see three PO wanders on screen at some point. Oh, okay, fine. Um, uh, and, and those kinds of connections can be fun, and we usually enjoy them. But uh, uh, yeah, that I don't, I don't think we need that. Um, this again, this is, this is what we've been calling for. At least this is what I've been calling for. I want a story that has nothing to do with everything else. 
Um, I want different characters, different part of the galaxy. Tell me, show me something I haven't seen before in Star Wars. And they're, and they're basically doing that. I mean, like the, the idea, the larger themes here are like these ideas of, of these large, powerful institutions exerting their will. And, um, what that can create um in 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 the in the sense of you're going to form the 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 bedrock of the rebellion by like squeezing these pieces of coal into diamonds essentially and um i like that as an idea i like that as a story i and i we we've dealt with austerity and and control and 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 systems and how they interact with with the peons out there and um so those themes have been touched on before but you haven't necessarily uh taken them from this angle i think um uh the 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 guy that's so so far out of like their realm of vision and like he, that's one of the, the the pieces of dialogue that's really stuck with me. It's like, like they won't even know that you're there. It's like, it's you put the uniform on. They they're so they're so fat and they're so happy. There's, you know, you're nothing to them essentially. And and then like that level of disgust um, for one's opponent or lack of recognition that they're even there. Um, we haven't necessarily seen a lot of that. And so like, I like that a lot that we're, that we're, that we're attacking it from that angle. Yeah. Just right quick, actually to, to your point, uh, Aaron, that Dave kind of jumped in on, I think that makes this show one of the easier jumping on points for star Wars. You don't need to know anything about star Wars. You don't need to know Luke Skywalker or Darth Vader are, you don't need to know anything. You can start this series ice cold whereas i think even something like the mandalorian you needed to have some wherewithal about what you know what was happening and they did a good job fabro and filoni did on making that a good jumping on point i think this one works just as well if if you've never seen a star wars movie watch this if you like it keep watching there's more to it and i think that is crucial for disney for star wars for lucasfilm because while fans and you know, the people who make YouTube channels and podcasts like us, we can debate all the minutia all day long. There has to be, pro- these properties also have to be able to allow newcomers to come in and find something that's different so that that'll appeal to them. Look, for some, it may have been the Bad Batch. For some, it was the Mandalorian. For some, it may have been Obi-Wan Kenobi. For some, it'll be Andor. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, Potpourri was the one thing I wanted to highlight is I loved the direction for the third episode, building up that tension as the security forces were dropping, as if because they're ratcheting up the point about the ticking time clock of uh, of um, Andor meeting Lucian and Cyril coming in with his goons to try to come and arrest them, and then the banging on the every metal piece just kind of ramps up and ramps up. That's one of the few moments we actually felt like I'm trying to think like, wow. There's not many moments like this in the whole Star Wars where you just feel tension going up and up and up. And you just know that the only one's get out of the barn. Is... Go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's you're gonna need a big explosion to kind of release all that tension. And I thought that was well Hitchcockian, right? Very much. Very much so. Very yeah, much. Yeah. Very much. Mm-hmm. So uh not it hits. Cool. Well, so episode four comes out what tomorrow, right? Um, yeah. I'm... So, um, yeah. No, I'm not staying up that late to watch anything. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, so anyway, so yeah. Next week we'll talk about uh, uh, episode four and five. Um, so let us know what you guys are thinking about this on uh, on Twitter or on Facebook. You can shout at us what you think about Andor. Um, and uh i do have one last thing um eddie played uh was is now a new member of our trivia team and he's a listener to this podcast and he asked me the like the last week he said 
Did we ever figure out what the ghost said in Fredo's house on the episode? Did we ever, do we ever try to figure that one out? Cause he, I, it even creeped no. him out a little bit. I said, I don't know. We said, what we do know is that Fredo went to his, his uh, mom and aunt and dad. And they said, no, it wasn't us. And it wasn't the TV. So. I haven't heard anything since. And look, we are getting into October, so it is Halloween. If any spooky stuff happens, I'll let you'll know. But so far, well, no, now that I think about it, have I noticed some other stuff? Maybe, but you know, I'll keep that to myself. Oh, now I want to oh, know. Now yeah, I want to know. Patreon. All right, well, all right, yeah. there we go. That's an excuse for a Patreon. Ghost stories with Fredo. Um, so anyway, yep, everybody, uh, have a great week. Let us know what you think about Andor uh, on social media, or just bug us in general. Um, and oh, God bless the saints. Um, and uh, until then, we will say who dat. Who dat? Everybody, have a great week. Matanki.